Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 592 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? That's going to be a microscopic beat, but I'll somehow make do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. Listen, Micros- I'm, a, I'm a pro. I'm a pro. When I drop it in the free software that I have to... Uh, uninstall and reinstall on every fifth use. I could <laughs> right. zoom. I could zoom into the microscopic point and pull out literal syllables if I wanted to. Oh, did I not give you enough of a beat, Joe? No, I got enough of a beat. I was. Okay. It's just that usually when I'm in control, I give myself like a nice big like seven Mississippi beat, so I have a lot of room to play with. You know, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll keep that in mind for next time but when you're talking about microscopic i was thinking short show that's what was throwing me oh yes said it now <laughs> we have to start the short show what do we got on the docket today todd not a lot of news but in the news substack 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 one more for good measure joe substack um also uh, returns grading on you where we uh, hit a, a small bad idea again conventions digital sales what we read last week, which was the return of Saga, Saga 55, and Human Target 4. What we're looking forward to this week, the silver standard of rogues galleries, who's got the second best rogues gallery in comics. I think maybe this is another landslide, Joe, but wait and see. Also, Todd's Art Attack. And at the end, spoiler-filled TV talk with the latest episodes of Book of Boba Fett, Legends of Tomorrow, and Maker of Peace, Peacemaker. It is a stacked show, Todd. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a lot to discuss here. It's a sub-stacked show, Joe. Yes. So uh, on Monday, uh, every comic creator and their mother and their whomever all decided that we're going to uh, announce our sub-stack. And it's not just your run-of-the-mill schmucks like a me or you. Uh, It's actual real comic book people. Um, Everyone from James Tinney IV, who's already on there, has been kind of leading the charge. Um, He has a new project that got released on there. Um, Grant Morrison even is getting in on the action. Jeff Lemire has stuff. And he has stuff that's going to be up there as uh, tie-in stuff to Black Hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, where the that is going to be free up front, and that's the key thing about a lot of these folks that just announced a bunch of stuff. Um, it's fr- this some of this new stuff is free. New stuff is free. New stuff is free. But everything has like that seven dollar a month, uh, seventy five dollar for the year kind of standard price. It's almost like they all got together and agreed upon this. You know, illusion. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, now I will say this, there is a, there are a couple folks that came across my purview, uh, mm-hmm. one by Carrie Randolph and Joanne Starr, who are indie creators. Uh, Joanne, uh, I know from a couple conventions that we've gone to mm-hmm. with Jimmy Palmiotti, Jimmy Palmiotti, Amanda Connor, et cetera, et cetera panels. Uh, theirs is only five bucks. Uh, you know, $51 for the year. So again, but they do have a lot of free options in there as well. And I know Todd wanted to mention that Brian K. Vaughn has one up there as well. 
Right, which this is uh, the measuring stick for me because I was like, oh, it's going to take like a top tier writer to make me figure out if I'm going to do Substack or not. And like, granted, technically he hasn't been a writer for like three years in comics, but Saga just came back as we mentioned earlier. So I'm like, if he's one of them that could get me to go to Substack and I'm like, so when somebody like him comes along and goes, I'm doing it. That's when I decide. And Joe, I've made a decision. I'm okay. I'm not, I'm not doing Substack. I, I oh. really want to read whatever Brian K. Vaughn is doing, but I'm I'm like old school. You mentioned Tinian before. He's the, he was the same way because I'm reading Department of Truth. He's like some some you know side stuff or Department of Truth adjacent stuff is going to be on a Substack maybe. And I'm like oh, I don't want to do that. I want my comics and I just want to do my comics. And when I really thought about it, when it comes to Brian K. Vaughn, he had a couple of things that were digital, like like wasn't Friday digital stuff at one point with him. It was through Panel Syndicate. Right, but that was him, not Brubaker, right? Um, What did... Right, Brian. it was Brian K. Vaughn. Right, right. Right, right. so I didn't do that. So me signing up to pay for... St- like with I'm like, you know what? Saga's back. That'll be my Brian K. Sa- uh, Vaughn fix. I, I don't... Now that I look at it, I mean, it would have to be something like ridiculous for me to, to, to get. Uh, Substack, and I don't know what that would be at this point, Joe. Well, so I'll say this: you know, everyone is like in that same you know ballpark mm-hmm. of that seven dollars a month, and then a lower amount for the full year if you decided to go that way. Um, the Brian K. Vaughn one does have a freebie up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be one. Essentially, it's one book that he's going to be doing that you have to pay for. Another book that's going to be free. Right. Right. Uh, now, a couple of the other folks that are doing them as well uh, include Tom King. Now, the reason I wanted to mention the Tom King one here second um, is that I saw Tom King. And, and again, so another thing is a lot of these creators are not that active on social media anymore for a variety of reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan K. Vaughn doesn't have it. Jeff Lemire just kind of has like, you know, the the publicity one. James Tinian's the same way. Uh, I don't think Grant Morrison has a social media, um, but Tom King does. And Tom King is one of the few creators that are still relatively active on social media. So mm-hmm. I got to see him spend his entire day Monday explaining to old people how <laughs> PDFs work. Ooh, let me get on that thread so I can <laughs> figure it out. So I felt so bad for him. That mm-hmm. here he is with this big launch, and he's proud of it, and it's like this crime romance thing. And uh, who's the who's the artist on it? Um, and again, I'm going to mispronounce her name, uh, but Elsa Chartier. Uh, they're both very proud of this. And then Tom King is just like, I was confused at first, but downloading a P- downloading this is just as easy as downloading a PDF. Well, I don't know how to do that. Well. Oh, <laughs> I felt so bad for him. Right, right. But oh. here's what I do with um, the sub stacks, right? Obviously, you could sign up for them for free, and they're essentially just a mailing list, right? Right. And at this point, you know, there's a good enough chunk of your favorite creators that have something going on in Substack. 
And today's thing might not be the thing that's ready for you, you know, or maybe their next thing is not the thing that's ready for you, but it's free to sign up for their email list. It's, you know, an email. Those don't cost nothing. I'll be completely honest with you. More times than not, I read the subject line and I delete them because a lot of times right now, these folks that are over on Substack don't have projects on Substack that are ready to go because they're still filling out their contractual obligations with the other companies. Mm -hmm. So more or less, it's like, yeah, I got this thing ready to go soon, but don't forget, I got these books coming out this week from your favorite publishers, you know? Right, right. So the time is going to come where they're going to have something. And it's good to be ahead of the curve. It's good to maybe be in, in on this. And, you know, Brian K. Vaughn having something may not be the thing for Todd, but, you know, maybe I might look at my Patreon money next week and reallocate some funds. And, you know, I know in the past uh, I mentioned the panel syndicate things, but those weren't a subscription-based service. Those were essentially like pay whatever you want and you're done. Mm -hmm. And I would never, like, you could technically go to the panel syndicate stuff and get stuff for free, but I never did. I'd always pay for stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. I wasn't paying $5 for a 32-page comic, but I wasn't paying a dollar for a 32-page comic, right? Right. Um, but these, it's a subscription thing, and I like to support my creators, but I feel as though I'm supporting my favorite creators by buying their books monthly, you know? Okay. See, I, and this is going to sound, this is going to be Todd, like being me, you know, like you have your quirks. I don't like signing up for stuff because I don't like emails that I don't, like that I'm not going to read. I'm with you. I just look at it as I could, but I peruse a lot of the like websites that we do for the, the show news. Like I, that's how we got, you know, the, the Substack stuff here. So I'm like, I have a feeling it'll pop up because these sites cover it. And that's how I'll know. I just don't want my, 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 my inbox filling up with emails unless it's like, you know, 1145 on a Sunday with certain news. But otherwise I'm just like, I don't need all that. You know, I get you. No. And so, again, I'm saying this to you, but I'm also saying this to our listenership. Right. Right. I'm just talking for me. And I, anybody wants to do Substack, go crazy, you know? Right. And I could definitely see the day comes where maybe through, you know, and so another thing is, as a lot of this stuff was initially rolled out with like this changeover for a lot of creators to Substack, many, not all, but many said that they were going to um, have print versions of stuff available eventually, right? Right. I'm a print guy still, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we, neither of us anytime here, uh, have made that full change over to being a digital person. And maybe you are a digital person and this is a way to get that stuff. But also as a print person, you know, when that Brian K Vaughn book that he's working on that I could pay $7 a month to get PDFs of, if I sign up for his free newsletter, I'll know when I, you know, I'll know when it's coming out in print and he mm -hmm. might even do a thing where like, hey, I could get like a signed copy or a better version or a different something, right? Mm -hmm. And at the very least on that end, when that print version of the book from my creator that I like comes out and they offer a deal where I can get it directly through them, you know, I like to support my shop, but I also like to support my creator. 
Yeah, I mean, because it's not like you're going to cut you cut out your shop. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the one book of this creator he gets all the money of. You know what I mean? Yeah, listen, so, I, I just handed him my February list. It's ridiculous how many comics I get monthly, oh, right? Don't even start me up. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, you know what? Speaking of that, I hate to, to, to drop this on you, but it's one of those things that one of these days – I have stuff in this previews that I'm on the fence about, and I almost want to run them past you before I get before I decide and and get what you think. Because you ever just been like, I'm not sure what I want to do. Uh, two things. One, put a pin in it for next week. Okay. And two, give me your list, mm-hmm. and we'll start by publisher alphabetically, and I'll tell you what to keep. That part's not going to happen. It's more going to be like, these are the books I'm on the fence about and why. And then. Do you remember when we went to uh, the one wizard con and Dan DiDio said that to someone about their pull list? Did he really say that? He absolutely said that. And I'll never forget that. I don't, I don't remember that. And I don't remember. I only remember being at two shows with you. One is Baltimore with your wife and your young unborn son. Right. And then Baltimore after maybe I was sick and we went and that was the one when you, we were walking to see fans cause they yelled our name and you whispered out the corner of your mouth and you can see me doing it here. Remember, call me Leonard. And I was like, okay, <laughs> those are the only two shows that I ever remember being at with you. Wasn't there a Philly one that we were at together, but not together? Oh, yeah. Okay. See, I'm thinking, yes, that's the one. That's the one. That's the one where your wife was in front of me in line while I was yes. hungover. Okay. Yes. That's the world famous one. Yes. But that's the same weekend as that Dan DiDio panel where he said that to a, to a fan in the crowd. See, I wasn't at because I didn't do panels. Uh, okay. All right. I know I could have swore I told that story before, but that's one of my favorite lines that Dan ever said. Um, you know what? I, it, you might have told it, but it doesn't resonate the way Jimmy Palmiotti writing any number on your comic. Right. That one stuck with me. Of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Substack, that's our take on it this time. Monday was a big day. Um, you know, do I say do you do you? Mm-hmm. Um, however, in sad news, uh, literally hours before we re- recorded, um, Brian Augustine, uh, famed DC writer, uh, passed away today. Um, had a stroke over the weekend. He was 67. Uh, no previous things. Um, you know, and he was somebody who, if you were coming up in DC in the 80s and 90s, whether as a creator or a fan, um, his fingerprints were on a lot of the superhero side of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote the first uh, technical Elseworlds book, the uh, Gotham by Gaslight. He co-wrote a lot of that great Mark Wade stuff from the 90s and early 2000s at DC. Yep, he did The Flash and JLA Year One with him. Yeah, and I would say JLA, JLA Year One is probably one of my favorite Justice League stories of all time. I love that story so much. It's the perfect tandem of augustine wade and barry kitson art like you cannot beat it and don't get me started on the uh wings on the side of your cowl bit (laughs) 
It's one of the greatest things. That has stuck with me forever. And I'll never forget when I met Barry Kitson. You're like, if you, because I bought somebody a sketch. You're like, if you ever get me one off of Barry Kitson, get the flash with his cowl turned. Whether it's, and again, whether it's true or not, uh, there's the bit in there where uh, Martian Manhunter is learning Earth language. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to learn English. And he tells, I forget who it was, probably Hal Jordan. He says, I learned German first. He goes, that language makes sense. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yes. And you- uh, that was so great. But I will say this. I'm not going to give the whole address here. Uh, but if you find any Mark Wade social media post, you can really tell how much this kind of has affected uh, Mark and he, and I'm just going to kind of read this here, uh, at least this part, right? Um, this is from Mark Wade. He says, I'm asking you, uh, you know, fans to send a card or a note to his wife and his daughters to express your condolences and tell them what Brian meant to you. Um, I know that would mean a lot. Uh, we live in a world of emails and texts and so forth, but something tangible, something on paper, uh, something they can treasure would be appreciated and go a long way. Uh, and he gives an address uh, that he would pass that sort of stuff along uh, to them. So obviously if any work that Brian Augustine did uh, touched you or remembered or anything that you have on your shelf, you know, write it on a piece of paper, throw it in an envelope. A stamp is what? $103 these days. I don't know what a stamp is. But they are forever at $103. Right, they are forever. Um, yeah, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna throw something out in the mail. Um, you know, just talking about that Justice League year one, that JLA mm-hmm. year one story, you know? Yeah. And then uh last but not least, uh it's the return of grading on you, as we have a follow-up to a uh, story that I think has been grading on all of us. <laughs> Uh, So last month, we had discussed the company that spun out of some folks that left Valiant called Bad Idea Comics, decided to do a invisible comic uh, that was going to be CGC graded. And apparently CGC has asked them to stop doing that. Yes. And among other things, they were like, because they were selling them. Yes. And they asked them to stop selling them. Like they could do a giveaway, but apparently bad idea sold them all. So it's like, not much we can do now, but they're like, you probably, we're probably never doing that again because fans on like message boards and forums, whatever, what the kids write on these days. I don't know. They were all up in arms because it's what what I said, and I believe you said too, when we mentioned the story, I said it under, undercuts your credibility that for money, even though they're blank comics and I get what they are, that it's a gimmick, you're selling grades for whatever. That just, that doesn't, it's, a, it's not a good look. And now they're like, oh, we're never doing this again. But once again, it's out the door. You know, it's it's happened already. You can't put the you know it back in the bottle. I, whatever phrase you want to use, it 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 just I I think it's hurt their reputation, Joe. I don't think they had a great reputation to begin with. And with the people who use them, they did. They're not for us. 
I mean, bo- I, I, I mean both CGC and bad idea. I was talking about both of them. Okay, go ahead. No, that's it. I just think um, bad idea was just that. I get what they were trying to do, but I didn't see a lot of people buying their comics. I saw lots of rules and lots of gimmicks and lots of shtick, but nobody talking about the content of the books, you know? Yeah, see, you'd have to ask our retailer how they because I thought they sold pretty good for him, but they had like you know he had to follow the rules. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But like you said, nobody talks about the story. In ten years, will people be talking about the bad idea stories, or will they be talking about the the gimmicks, or will they not be talking about them at all? Right. I don't know. And CGC has their place. Um, I can't say that I'll never have a CGC book. The day will come where I'll have one. I know Todd has one, and we've both decried it. Um, It's more so for old key issues sort of things, Mm -hmm. uh, less for the folks that go and buy every first appearance, every number one that comes out in 2022, slabs as many as they can, hopes to get a 10, and crosses their fingers and hopes for the best, you know? I probably have more CGC than you think. Uh huh. I'd have to because well, you have a lot more key Silver Agey books than I yes. do. Yes, that's because I think you said I. I thought you said I had one, and I was like, No, no, no. I, I I said I have none, and I said that you probably have more than that. Okay, I thought you said okay. You said more than none, and I heard one. That's why. Okay, but whatever. But I have, and I, I like I said, I'm with you. They have their place. You know what I mean? So, like the Golden Age ones that I have, they're CGC. So, but I was buying them online, and I was okay with that. But I'm with you. Like the brand new comics, it's like uh, I don't know. There's no point to it sometimes. But I'm done. Uh-huh. You know, harping. So, yeah. Uh, so, hey, I forgot to mention it last week. Uh, I will mention it here. There's some conventions this weekend. Uh, the links to that will be in the show notes, uh, both sides of the United States. Uh, this weekend, Far Rockaway, uh, New Jersey. Uh, head over to the Rockaway Mall. See how that's holding up. I'm going to guess poorly. Uh, <laughs> the Garden State Comic Fest is taking place. Uh, Riley Brown and Scott Hanna are going to be there from the comic book world. Uh, from the world of sports and entertainment, uh, Ted DiBiase is going to be there, or Ted Debussy. Mm-hmm. You're getting and, names perfect this week. But go ahead. Right, and Tito Santana, uh, and I think uh, he literally lives right around the corner, so it'll be a quick trip for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, out on the West Coast in Concord, California, is the East Bay Comic Con. I like this weekend. It's two like small, you know, independenty ones, you know. Without Facebook uh, sites. Yeah, yeah, with actual, you know, and again, the quality of the sites are suspect, but at least it's an actual website, you know? <laughs> right. Um, but the uh, the Concord one, uh, Art Adams, Liam Sharp, Billy Tan, and Charles Vess is going to be there. Met Charles Vess, good guy. Yeah, I think in all the years of us doing like a, a rundown of what conventions are going on, it's a very few amount of times I can mention or I could remember that Car- Charles Vess was heading to a convention, you know? Right. And if anybody wants to get me one of those $1,000 Art Adams con sketches, go ahead. <laughs> if you're in the Concord area and you got $1,000 burning a hole in your pocket, sign up for the Patreon or buy something nice for Todd. Right. Oh, it's the Concord area? I thought it was sponsored by the, the Grape Company. No. Okay. I was going to step on your joke there, but I'm like, no, no, I'll let you have that one. Get it? Step on your your joke about grapes. <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> oh, lucky I didn't have a bunch of jokes about grapes. Scriptwriters are getting a bonus this week. <laughs> uh, so while you're over checking out the 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 show notes for this episode, be sure to check out all of our friends. Uh, whether it be Kevin Hellion's Mass Library, Rick Williams uh, Chop Shop, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, uh, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, all of that stuff is linked up. Uh, I'm not going to give you the full push on all of those. You've heard it a million times. Uh, you can check out our local comic book store, store, Comics on the Green. Their Facebook page is where they do a lot of their business through. And if you want to sign up for their mail order subscription service because you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, I highly recommend it because you might even get a sketch from our friend Becky. And you can check out her social media for her process and some of the sketches that she's done uh, these nigh on in 12 years that she's been doing it. Right. Uh, digital sales, we mentioned before, if you're a digital person, now's the time, as I say, to get involved in that. Uh, Marvel has a ton of sales this week. Uh, X-Force Legacy, Dark Reign, uh, Black Panther, and Miles Morales. Uh, Dark Horse is having a sale on Cullen Bunn and Tyler Crook stuff. I think they got a new book coming out this week or something in trade, maybe. Uh, Dynamite having a sale on omnibuses. If you want like a big giant collection of digital books, do that. Uh, Oni Press is having a sale on their Lion Forge, which is their like all ages imprint. And um, Image is having a sci fi sale. And again, sci fi is kind of all encompassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but included in that sci-fi sale is uh, Saga. And, uh, hey, if you like Saga, you can get, like, the entire run of Saga for uh, 40 bucks. Oh, it's 54 issues. That's not bad. Uh-huh. Uh, 60 bucks. My apologies. 60 bucks. Still pretty good. Yeah. The alphabetizing system of uh, comicsology does not agree with me. But again, <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. I don't know. Right. Saga is one of the best comic books of all time. Uh, but a lot of the other publishers as well, uh, DC, Valiant, and then just um, all the indie books kind of with no um, one true affiliation are all having Black History Month sales that are going on for the entirety of the month of February. And all of these links to all of these things are going to be included in the uh, show notes with this episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's get into what we read from this past week. Uh, Starting things off with Saga number 55, the long-awaited return of this book. Um, So this is kind of a tough book to review in this fashion only because it's been three issues since the last issue has come out three or three years my apologies three years Mm -hmm. since the last issue has come out it is still the same creative team brian k vaughn and fiona staples the book is beautiful uh there's a new character or two that's introduced into all of this um obviously we get hazel kind of as the main star of everything, um, you know, if you remember from midway through the first arc of all of this, um, kind of everything pivoted to being Hazel being the main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this would be a great first issue for someone. I think I having the previous 54 issues of Backlog 
sitting in my brain for three years with cobwebs on it Mm -hmm. made this issue not as accessible as if this was someone's first issue of Saga. Does that make any sense? Yes. Um, But I come into it from a different view because me, you know, being the freewheeling bachelor that I am, I was able to reread all 54 issues before. So basically I took like when it was like around the beginning of January, maybe around Christmas was when I started and I was doing six issues in a bunch and doing like every week I was like, all right, I'll do it uh, like, cause there's nine trades and I figured it out to nine weeks before like the book came out, whatever it was. And I was reading them and it got me all caught up. And I think reading it that way, it's still the same because there's such a time jump from issue 54 to issue 55 like character like she's older and like they've moved on new characters it, it it's weird it, it's it's i'm like okay this works as a as a good jumping on point i guess but i don't know go get those 54 issues because you won't be disappointed but uh yeah i just thought it was for an issue back after three years it was good it was really good but i think the weight ruined it for me it was like, because I was like, you're coming back. This has to be the best thing ever. Saga was the best thing ever. This is a great book, but it didn't blow. Like I, I, I set the bar way too high after rereading those first 54 with, I was tweeting out panels that were making me cry and everything. And this is a great issue, but there's none of that. The best of the best of the best that I just read. It's really good, but you know, like I said, it's Saga. And the, and Saga at really, really good is ten times better than most things out there, Joe. Yeah, and if that's not a selling point enough for you, like I said, that this is more new reader friendly, and like I said, and it's not, it, it's it's punishing to an old reader in, you know, that, just because our old foggy brains and everything, mm-hmm. this is a 44-page story with no <laughs> ads for three bucks. Yep. Which, I, I I don't think you could beat that price. You couldn't beat that price when this book first came out. You no. cannot beat that price in 2022 with any comic. Now, I don't know if it'll be as many pages as we go on. No, but like for a first issue back, you're like, right. that's how you grab someone. And if you have a good comic shop, you get a sticker and a and a bookmark, which oh, it's right. the only time I'm team sticker, Joe, is with Saga. I'm glad we got you on board. For one, for one, you know. T- team sticker for one, team sticker for all. Well, if they come out with Saga pins, I know where you're going to come on board, so. Well, they've had a pin set, but I, I didn't bite on those. You didn't buy them, but if they came free with the book, you'd yeah, take I them. Yeah, oh, free, forget about it. Well, there you go. If I had to buy the sticker, go pound sand. <laughs> right, Kayvon. Fiona Staples. I ain't buying you a sticker. Give me a sticker. We okay. All right. So uh, the other book that we read from this past week was Human Target Number 4, uh, written by Tom King with art by Greg Smallwood. And uh, per his request, the floor is yours, sir. Yes. So this takes – this is – once again, the human target is looking into who, you know, was trying to kill Lex Luthor and has ended up poisoning him. So he, him, along with Ice, are going through the candidates, which are Justice League International. And this month they decide to go to Ted Cord, Cord Industries, because uh, they're looking for who it could be. And there's something, it may be 
Booster Gold's investor who uh, for his bagel company, which is fantastic. Um, so he goes to see Ted, who's the natural person. He's rich. And while he's there, there's a beautiful bit with Ted. Like, this is why I think I'm not the killer. I'm telling you why you should think I'm not the killer, but that's what the killer would tell you. And he just does this circular logic for the whole issue. That's fantastic. But on the, along the way, he gets the, the word that there's a crime. So him and Ice and the human target go off and they Ice and Blue Beetle fight it. And as they go, they keep getting further away because things keep popping up. And uh, the human target's like, there's something I've noticed about Ice and it's, it's bothering me. But along the way, she is just coming on, like coming on to him, but in a cute way, not like uh, like over the top. And it's beautiful, Joe. It gave me goosebumps at times. Like that, I tweeted it out. There's the panels where Ice puts his head, her head on his shoulder, and to me, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. And it goes on, and they end up at a hotel, um, be, at a cord hotel because they they won't make it back in time. And he has a drunken conversation with Blue Beetle to maybe reveal who might be the investor. And that's great. And we get backstory on, on, on the human target. And then maybe some stuff happens with a splash page. I would pay a billion dollars if it was real to own. Um, all in all, um, Joe, I'm going to say out of the two issues that I read, this issue was the far better this week. As much as I love Saga, this, and I know it's because it's me, this is the best book I've read in a long, long time. And, I, and I'm thinking it's mostly nostalgia for me, but it's also really well written in Tron, Joe. I love this book. Love it so much. That's, that's all I can say, you know? So I worry at times that this book plays on that nostalgia that you mentioned, specifically that nostalgia for these characters right mm -hmm. but if you were to look if you were to look at each issue of this book and each issue of this book so far um outside of ice being the recurring through line of our justice league international people okay mm -hmm. and each issue focusing on one of the other justice league international folks um and i don't know if cover five is out there just yet and you'd mention about who the uh mysterious benefactor possibly could be and I would guess that they're probably on the cover of issue five or at the very least issue six, just in the way that the story is progressing. But if you were to look at each character as a pie, okay, mm -hmm. and you would try to see how much of that pie was nostalgia and how much was adding and building off of that nostalgia by each of these issue, that nostalgia slice of the pie is very, very small because so said, there's so much that's given about these characters that if you've never read these characters from that justice league international run, maybe you've only read them when they've popped up in other things. Maybe you only know them from like, Oh, you've seen blue beetle and booster gold show up on an episode of justice league internet or justice league unlimited, right? Mm -hmm. The cartoon, or you only know guy Gardner because you read green lantern books or whatever it was. Right. Right. But if you have that nostalgia for these characters from that justice league international thing, it's going to help you a lot. But if you haven't read those, I think these give you so much about these characters. Mm -hmm. That makes them like such more rich and deep and complex characters. Okay. That's something you really don't get a ton of from those 
old issues. They're there, but it wasn't a lot. You know, there was a lot more fun, but there would be a deep issue of the Justice League International run. We're not here to talk about those. We're here to talk about this. But the Ted Cord stuff in this, of Ted Cord explaining to uh, William Ch- or to Chance what the detective thinks, mm-hmm. and the fact that Ted Cord was verbalizing that says so much about him and says so much about the way that his brain works. And the fact that like wherever Cord Industries is, it's like, well, we got to hop in the Beetle because we got to go, you know, stop a bear attack in Wyoming, right? <laughs> Superman, you know, it, he's the one who's handling the little things. And sure, there's going to be a superpowered bank robbery that he has to stop. But most of the stuff is the little stuff. The little stuff that we're told that Superman does but Superman does, like, in between the Earth, you know, shaping events. Where Ted Cord, his everyday life is the small things. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really love the characterization of Ted in this issue. They do. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Cause I was thinking, I was hoping it was a small piece of the pie, like you said. And it was good writing and characterization, the rest of it. And if you say that, cause you definitely don't have the, I, you know, and you've admitted it, you don't have the love that I do for it. So like I I'm going in with blinders on because this book, th- this book, as I always joke, is going to get seven thumbs up for me just because it's justice league international. Right. But beyond that, it's just so good. And I hear people at the shop who have read it and they're like talking about it. And I'm like, it's good. And like I said, just uh chance and ice together. I'm like, I'm always, I'm an ice and guy shipper. But man, oh man, do do they make a nice couple, Joe? Oh my God, I don't know. I'm just I'm just loving this book, and I'm afraid I'm going to be a shambling mess by the end of this book. So we'll see. So we're still early in the run, so there's still a lot that can happen. But my my biggest concern with all of this um, is not so much the in story itself, but more so Tom King hitting the landing. Yes. And that's one of the things, at least on the on his DC stuff, that he's had trouble doing. I agree. Um, you know, the Rorschach thing kind of ended with a whimper and a nothing. Um, the strange adventure stuff was like this huge hyped up thing. And obviously you or I don't have the same affinity toward Adam Strange and that area of DC that we do for this and again you've admitted and I'll of course freely admit I love these characters but you love these characters and I'm just worried that like and you know the the Batman thing kind of got pulled out from underneath him and then now it's in Batman and Catwoman and there doesn't seem to be an end to it ever Mm -hmm. um so I I'm just worried of how the ending of this is gonna go right I'm more worried too that you're gonna destroy the legacy of one of the characters I love so We'll see. And I have my thoughts on that, but we can talk about that maybe when it gets a little bit closer to the end. How about that? Yep, because I have a feeling we might be doing this book a lot, Joe. Yeah. Well, we've hit it every month, you know? Um, and the la- and it's only four issues in again, but one of the last times that we hit a book every month like this was Saga and Immortal Hall, you know? so I could, I could think of one more. Okay. Nice House on the Lake. There you go. I think we hit all six on Nice House. I think we missed one. I have to go back and double check, but I, I, I'm going to defer to you on that one. 
Yeah, I, I'm thinking maybe we missed one, but I vaguely remember doing most of the six, all yeah. of the six, but you know, could be wrong. Uh, so that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, you can check out the pull post. Uh, every Tuesday at noon Eastern time, we put up a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is in the lead with one correct guess over me. Let's see how he does with this week. I'm looking over your list and nothing is just slapping me in the face like it should be since there's no mm -hmm. saga-esque book. Um, is the book you're looking forward to most? I'm going to take a stab at this. Excellent, number one. Uh, it is excellent, uh, number one. It is the return of Mike Alred and uh, Peter Milligan on that era characters, the weirdo era of uh, the X-Force, X-Factor, X-Static, everything that they've called it before. <laughs> Uh, they had a one shot maybe like two years ago and they said that this book was coming back in the near future. And, <laughs> you know, I'm sure there was a lot of things that put some delays and stoppers on it. Uh, but I'm very excited uh, for this this book to come out. It had less time between issues between that and the last one than Saga did. So it was kind of, you know, back recently. Touche. So. Um, so I'm between two books for you. Um, looking at your stuff, uh, let me say the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Fantastic Four Life Story number six. You were close. It's got Fantastic Four in the title. It's the other Fantastic Four book, The Reckoning War Alpha. Yep, because this is kind of like the timeless one. This is like of the four books that they that they you know teased and were putting out. This is going to be the kicking off the big crowd. What not crossover, but event the dance slot Fantastic Four. And I'm interested in it. I really like the uh, life story. Um, that's been fun. But like the timeless one, I'm looking forward to to see how much I'm going to like or dislike what what they're doing. Gotcha. And like I said, it was, I knew it was going to be one of the two Fantastic Four books. Um, I wasn't sure if it was the number one, or I'm assuming that's the last issue of whatever that is, right? Yes, that's the the end of the miniseries. One, one story a decade, if you will. So now they're elderly. Mm -hmm. Sure they are. Sure. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, you can also check out what we're doing here in the have issues space for 2022 and that is the silver standard the battle for second place uh to see which su which superheroes rogues gallery is the second best we all know that the flash is his first best but is batman's second best or is spider-man's second best well this past week's heads up matchup of planet master taking on the swarm uh, sadly, the swarm got crushed, and I will freely admit here, being that swarm is eliminated. Um, when I got to the end, of my when I got to put my list together, the swarm was one of like three or four that I begrudgingly put on the list. Mm -hmm. Was on many, many other like worst character Spider-Man villain lists, and I'm like, oh no, swarm is cool. So him losing this, while is a hurt to me, 
uh, kind of secretly validates that um, the Nazi scientist who's made of bees in a purple cape is pretty <laughs> awesome. Can't believe he got smushed, you know, but it can happen when you have right. the powers of a planet. Look out, bees, Joe. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm going to say since I'm uh, the loser this week, I'm going to go first. Okay. okay. And uh, so we're, I run into a problem with a lot of my Spider-Man villains, especially like the low end ones. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, too many of them end up becoming punchlines in bad Deadpool comics. Right. And that kind of bums me out. But I figure if you're bad enough to be made fun of by Deadpool, then you're bad enough for this list. Um, and the one thing that Todd likes to poke fun at and say, oh, all of Spider-Man's villains are all just based on animals, right? And there mm-hmm. are a lot of them that are, okay? And the only thing that's worse than a, a villain that's based on an animal is their gender-swapped, lower-quality version of them. Uh, just like a few weeks ago, Todd had, what was it, Cat King? Mm-hmm. Who was the uh, who is Catwoman's brother? King of cats. King of put, cats. Put some respect on it, Joe. Okay. Uh, this week, my pick is Scorpia, the Lady Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elaine Call, and I don't know if that's supposed to be a pun because she was created within like the two thousands. So she's a new character of them trying to be uh, cool. Now her initial run. She had, like, uh, you know, she looked more like uh, someone with, like, uh, talons and stuff. She had a very uh, Like, on her on armor, her. you know, and, like, an actual, like, metallic scorpion tail. Mm-hmm. And it was all, like, silver and stuff. Because I think she was, like, through Silvermane, who, you know, might be on the list later on. Um, But the worst thing that they tried to do is, it's one thing to take a Spider-Man animal-based villain and do a gender swap on them it's another thing to try to make them sexy and that's where we are now with scorpia she's she's got like a green leotard that she wears with a barely there scorpion outfit underneath it she's always drawn in like a come hither pose and i really had a scrape this week to try to find a non-sexy iteration of scorpia for mm-hmm. this, and I think I came as close as I can. Right. Um, but yeah, so I don't need to say much else other than a gender swapped animal based Spider Man villain made sexy. Oh, okay. So do, is the floor mine then, the Joe? The floor is yours. Okay. My villain is the villain that first appeared in Man of Steel number three. Written and drawn by John Byrne, of course. Wait, so there's a Superman villain. I don't think this counts. Well, no, he she went on to fight uh, Batman many times, and it was in Gotham. Superman went to Gotham, so it's okay. Um, so basically, there's this villain called Magpie, who's obsessed with shiny things, like the Magpie, Joe. And then she would take shiny th- take things and replace... Uh, the shiny things that she's buying, just like a magpie would. For everything I take, I leave something. But she was leaving replicas of the shiny things. So I'm like, if you have the shiny things, why do you need the other shiny things? It's it's all very confusing. But she, you know, just wanted beautiful things her whole life. Um, and her name was Margaret 
pie so she was mag pie and which is fantastic and then she ends up becoming a black lantern who wants shiny things too but because she apparently died but i just love the fact that that's her spiel is she's going to steal shiny things and joe I'm hoping, because I, I did not to get to do the picture with you, you're using the John Byrne wonderful 80s look for the picture. And just so you know, that hairdo is a wig, Joe. So a, a, a vote for any character who has a wonderful wig like that, people. You cannot not vote for someone with a wig. Magpie, absolutely terrible. I think she had like three appearances and then was murdered horribly. Here, let me show you the picture that I used. Okay, got to bring up. See, I wanted to get one that really fulfilled. Can you see that's that? That's the one. Yep. Right. See, there was a bunch of ones that were like smaller and showed off everything. Now, I'll say this. I think her look is cool. Uh, very punk rock, very mm. 80s. Uh, I could definitely see someone cosplaying as this. Mm -hmm. um and you know correcting people it's like no i'm actually magpie i'm not you know <laughs> whoever um hey, but I think, I think she's got a really cool look hey everybody guard your shiny things here comes magpie is that's, it dot whatever i, I say it's, that's uh that's a good warning i say that's yes. good advice thank you here comes sexy scorpia who probably has a figure if I go into Spider-Man, things probably has eight figures, but Magpie probably not. It's figure is one thing. If they have a Funko Pop, that's another thing. Oh well, you know I don't want to get into that. I'm right. I'm I'm purging mine. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't need any magpie. Unless oh. it was a shiny magpie Funko Pop, then that would break the rule and I would add one, which you should never do when you're purging. So. Uh, but the vote, the poll will be up uh, on Wednesday. Uh, the post will be up. You'll have seven days. And you vote for who's who you think is worse. Yes. So we can so move everyone along in this tournament. Um, so... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, I can't wait until we're doubling up on Batman villains soon. Uh, there's going to might be a couple rounds where that might happen, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store where you can purchase shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them printed right here uh, in greater northeastern Pennsylvania, the Bethlehem area, I would say. That's northeastern Pennsylvania, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you can head over to our T Public store. Uh, somebody made, somebody purchased a fish math shirt this weekend, and hopefully that wasn't a harbinger for the bad news that we discussed on After Dark this week. Mm -hmm. um, also, you could uh, sign up for our Patreon. It's the beginning of the month, so as little as a dollar a month is going to get you those two bonus shows from Todd and myself. Five dollars a month is going to get you those bonus shows uh, two weeks before everyone else. Plus. Uh, after dark two days before everyone else so that you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Uh, last but not least, you can help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through. Does not cost you anything extra. Uh, they, Amazon, call it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that Amazon exists. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy when he gets his cut of the advertising fee at the end of the month. Yeah. 
Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include someone continuing their Kindle collection of the Anne Rice vampire books. This week they've purchased Merrick and uh, Blood and Gold. Those are two books. One is called Merrick. The other one is called Blood and Gold. Okay. Uh, Speaking of Funko Pops, uh, somebody purchased a Greedo Funko Pop, uh, probably based on the child Greedo that was seen in... uh, not Mandalorian this week, which we'll get into. <laughs> and right. uh, somebody purchased uh, Lando Calrissian based off of his uh, look in one scene of the Han Solo movie. Right. That is someone who is not purging their Funko Pops. That is true. Uh, so thank you to anyone who has purchased anything this week, last week, this month, this year, or whenever. Uh, any and all of the purchases are greatly appreciated. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have an art attack, and it was from yours truly. Um, I recently received this Chris uh, Schweizer uh, Unforgiven piece he did for a print. I love that it's hand-lettered and has old-style glued-on lettering, too. Um, The original is slightly different, but I prefer the We All Have It Coming on the original, which was a great line from the movie. Um, To make a long story short, when I was in Baltimore... Um, he, and he did that six sidekicks of trigger Keaton piece for me in my sketchbook. He had prints and I'm, I'm not really a print guy. Um, but I was looking around and he had a unforgiven pr- uh, print and I was like, okay, by the laws, uh, of, you know, of Toddism, I have to get that print because it's unforgiven. And I'm talking to him I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. I'm like, do you have, did, did you, was, do you have the original? He's like, yeah, I still have it. Um, I said, would you be willing to sell it? And he's like, yeah. He goes, I just want to tell you it's smaller than the print because I blow them up. I'm like, I understand all that. And he's like, okay. Um, we And he's like, uh, it came to a price. I bought it sight unseen. Did not know what it looked like because I put the print next to it. I'm like, oh, well, maybe he added the lettering later and he, you know, digitally, whatever. So I don't know what I'm getting. When this came in the mail and it had all of it on it and like the hand lettered and then the statted lettered pages which is a lost art because nobody does that in comics anymore I'm like this has all the earmarks of an old piece that i absolutely love and it looks great and when like you zoom in on it and you look at the hand lettering you can see where he did the line work so that all the letters are the same height and everything i'm like this the, i i don't i haven't framed any pieces this is something because it's not that big it's probably going to get framed and like hang hung on the wall I, Joe, you have no much like when I, when I opened this, I was, I was gobsmacked. I love this piece. I will say, uh, needlessly elaborate, but I cannot, uh, argue with the detail put in by an artist on a piece like this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I know you had tweeted out both what the print looks like and what you received looks like. Mm Kind of looking at them side by side. And I tell you, man, um, you know, if, uh, Chris wasn't a modern artist, right? Mm-hmm. And has that modern artist style. If you told me that this was a piece that was done like in the 80s or the 90s, I'd believe you. Fair enough. Fair enough. You know, like it has like that old school feel to it. Yep. And I've become such a fan of his art from this and six sidekicks that I could see me getting more like pieces in the future, whether he's at a show getting a sketch or like if he does another print and I'm like, Oh, you did the outlaw Josie Wales. I'll take that one too. You know what I mean? Like he had other pieces. I was like, slow down, Todd, slow down. But I have a feeling I, my, my collection of Chris uh, Schweizer uh, artwork may grow in the near future. Uh huh. So 
All right. So uh, I think that's it before we get into TV talk, eh? Yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah, so uh, if you didn't watch any of the TV shows that we cover here, and obviously we don't cover everything, but you know the three that we cover. Uh, this is ap- wrapping up episode 592 of Longbox Heroes, and uh, we're going to get into TV discussion. And I assume we'll start with whatever started first, which w- or which aired first, which was Boba Fett, correct? Right, or as I call it, Mandalorian Season 2.5. Uh-huh. Now, this one I didn't get a chance to watch uh, until a little bit late. Um, but as I joked a few moments ago, and Todd just mentioned here as well, uh, this is just if hey, did you like Mandalorian? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not really loving Boba Fett? Uh, this is an episode of Mandalorian. Right. Hey, when's Mandalorian going to be on the screen? But uh, yeah, uh, I joke, but this was good. Um, you know, we get the bit at the beginning where uh, Boba Fett, excuse me, and uh, Fennec are like, oh, we're going to need some muscle, right? And then the uh, haunting Mandalorian theme song plays. Right. Um, and he goes and he uh, accosts some guys, some alien types in a butcher shop. They're in the back room. Um, and Boba Fett has, or Boba Fett, Mandalorian has the dark saber, right? Right. Uh, and he's having trouble wielding the dark saber. Um, he goes to the other Mandalorian, specifically the armorer. And... Uh, we learn that, uh, so he, Mando, or yeah, Mando gives the armorer the best car spear that he got. Mm-hmm. And they talk on how, like, this best car, uh, should never be made into a weapon. It should always be made into armor. So they smelt it down and he makes, like, cute little rings or something that I guess, uh, Baby Yoda's gonna wear. I think it's going to be a chainmail armor for uh, Baby Yoda. Right. It was like, I don't know. It was something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's something for Baby Yoda. And again, I know his name is Grogu, but his mom named him Baby Yoda. I'm going to call him Baby Yoda. Darth Cuteous to me. But anyway. <laughs> um, but doesn't like there's a bit where Mando gets kind of like shunted out because he can't. Oh, no. So the other guy that's there kind of challenges him for the blade. Yep. Because they, you know, you can't. He shows up with it. And he's like, it's the dark saber. And as soon as he holds it out for the armor, you just see that guy eyeing it up. And we get the backstory, which we had already gotten in the show, but I love it because it's like, you have to fight for it. And if you get it, you have the honor of like having the dark saber. He's like, let's go, let's do it. <laughs> so it was kind of cool. They had a duel. So they have this battle. Uh, Mando wins, but through this discussion, um, it's found out that uh, Mando has removed his helmet for other people. Mm-hmm. So that unfortunately makes him an outcast to the Mandalorian people. Uh, but that's okay because he's going to go see Amy Sedaris and her junkie on bots mm-hmm. because he needs a new ship because the Razor Crest has been busted up. And uh, she has for him one of the old. Um, Rebel, and it wasn't the Rebel. It was what were they called in the the movies that don't exist? The prequels. They were from Amidala's planet. They were the Nabooian fighters from Naboo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was the, one of the Naboo fighters, but it's junky and needs a bunch of extra stuff. She kind of ropes Mando into helping her get the parts and rebuild it and everything else. Um, 
and this is now going to be Mando's ship. Um, while he's gone out on a test drive and gets pulled over by X-Wing people again, <laughs> right. uh, he comes back and, uh, what's Amy Sedaris is like, oh, someone was here looking for you, but I kicked him out, told him you weren't here and I put up the shields, but it doesn't matter. They got through it's Fennec. She's like, Hey, I'm here to re- recruit you for Bo- Boba Fett's uh, thing. And, uh, she gives him a big bag of credits and he says, no, this one's on the house. Right. Um, if you like the Mandalorian, you like this episode, right? Yeah. You know, there's a couple of things I love about this episode. One, uh, Mandalorian is using a lightsaber and he hurts himself with it, which I think, you know, is something you never see because only Jedi use them. And I was talking with the, the, the fancy gentleman who was like, I forget where he said it was in a, a star Wars thing years ago. It was like, if lightsabers were easy to use, everybody'd be using them. You know what I mean? So he has to learn how to use it. And then they tell him the only way with your helmet is to like, you know, purify yourself in the, in the lakes of Mandalore or whatever. And he's like, we don't have any of those. They were all destroyed. She's like, oh, well, I guess you can't do it. I'm betting there's one that survived Joe. So I think he's going to regain his honor. But now are we going to see Darth Cuteus in Boba Boba Fett series, or are we going to wait until Mandalorian season uh, three to get that? I don't know. These are all the questions that I'm interested in, but I I loved it because it was just, like I said, a straight up episode of Mandalorian. It had two seconds of Boba Fett stuff in it. I say we get um, baby Yoda post credit sequence of the last episode. Okay. And I do like the new ship because it's just a, you know, beefed up uh, muscle car at this point. I, I liked when uh, Mandalorian got out of it. He said wizard. Well, now that's pod racing, Joe. That is pod racing. Uh, so next thing that we watched was uh, Legends of Tomorrow. And I'm going to let you uh, talk on this to start. Because it's time travel and I'm the expert. Sure. Um, so like last episode, uh, Gideon joked that they should go back and save uh, uh Franz Ferdinand, Archduke Franz Ferdinand. And they're like, oh, that's a good joke. She's like, no, I'm serious. Because if we go back and we stop that, then that's so big that the fake legends will show up and try to fix everything. Then we could steal their time ship and we'd have it. We could like, you know, get rid of the evil Gideon and, and, you know, use our Gideon to take it over and we'd have our time ship again. So they're like, okay, let's do that. So they go back. And they end up trying to save uh, the, the the Duke. And as it happens, like, because Nate's a, a thing of history, he's like, I know everything that goes on. He lays out the, the way they're going to do it. And when they get there, somebody comes out and goes like, hey, I know what you're here for. Let's go. And he takes them to a bar where the, everybody, there's a bunch of time travelers come back and always try to stop World War One. And he's like, yeah, this is a fixed point in time. It can't be changed. If you try it, time ends up killing you. And Gideon's like, that doesn't make any sense. I understand time. And he ends up like saying, and they show the bit. So they're like, you get a card for everybody that wants to go out. So they get their chance. And Sarah's like, well, I'll do it. Because if I go and I get killed, I can regenerate kind of a deal. And she does and gets her butt handed to her. And there's young punk time travelers laughing at them and everything. And as this goes on, we have a bunch of subplots where now that uh, Astra and Behard are together, that uh, Spooner's kind of lonely. So she hooks up with Zari to talk. We get 
you know, what Spooner's like kind of sexuality is and everything. We, we learn more about her and that's interesting. We, we see like other bits and pieces with, with Gideon trying to find her place on the group. That's all side stuff. But in, in the end, they're like, okay, we're going to put this plan together. We're going to figure it out using up the cards. Sarah goes out and she ends up, uh, you know, getting closer and closer each time. But then she finally gets tripped up and she's almost like, oh, there's something doing this. Like somebody's like messing with time. And they end up using the footage that they everybody watched from the fixed point bar to see that someone is stopping time. So they use the... Uh, something from the, the the time machine that they have. They uh, so they go back because, and again, not to interrupt you. So there's Sorry. like this is the A story, uh, B story, C story, eh, whatever, right? Uh, mm-hmm. B or C story is uh, Zari and Spooner becoming friends, and they're the ones that see the man in the top hat, right? Mm-hmm. And they're the ones that like, oh, he was there and he disappeared, and like, uh, uh, Sarah's like, oh, I could have swore I saw him in the crowd, and whatever. But the B story is Ava helping uh, Dr. Gwyn yes. figure out how to go back and save his his Alan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and while they're trying to figure that out and Dr. Gwyn is having his crisis of faith, they come back and they're like, hey, uh, Dr. Gwyn, we need your so-and-so piece so that we can make the anti-time manipulator. Right. And that's what they get. They give it to uh, Sarah. She's got one shot at it, and then that's when she encounters uh, Sir Toppin Hat. Right, who is Eobard Thrawn, who, but he's the one before um, he possesses, uh, who is the, 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 the guy from Flash. My brain is, you know what I mean? He took his face. Uh, he's, uh, he's not. Um, Wells. He's, Wells. Yeah, he's not Tom Cavanaugh. Right, he's the the actor who he played before he took over Wells's look and everything like that. So I don't know how all that works. It's very confusing. But when the Wraiths attacked him ep- seasons ago, they re-educated him, which is a scary word, and they put him in this thing where he has to guard the day, and he just keeps living it over and over and over again. And he's like, "I'll fight you. I'll fight Sarah until the end." She goes, "Listen, I just need enough time." And she explains her situation: what we need, this, that, and the other thing. Um, so we can get the time ship. He's like, okay, I'll give you 45 minutes. But if my like life is now protecting this moment in time, if anything happens to me, you have to take over and promise that this will be protected. She's like, okay. So he ends up giving, um, them the 45 minutes. And we, I guess the, uh, you know, the evil legends are going to come and that's where we're going to go next episode or whatever. I enjoyed the episode. I was waiting because it did a lot of fixed point in time stuff, which is a staple of Doctor Who, that they were going to like put in all these other, either Doctor Who or like from other like uh, franchises, just nods to stuff. And they didn't, which was kind of disappointing. Like no guy in a scarf walked by. So I was upset. Well, I think that's licensed. You know, you can't throw just throw that in your show, you know? You can't just have a guy who time travels in a scarf that you're going to get sued. Now, if he had like a, a celery stalk on his lapel, that's another story. I was going to say uh, a scarf or a carrot, you know what yeah. I mean? Because you don't want to get too close. But did you um, like the episode? Yes. So I liked the episode quite a bit. Um, again, I didn't know that, like, I liked that it set up that it was a cliffhanger. I think next week is the season finale or at least like the mid-season break. Right. I don't think it's too many more episodes because we're at like 10 or 11. You know what I mean? Like they usually don't do more than 16. So 
Right, right. Um, so when they discover the man in the top hat and they're watching the film, and mm-hmm. the way that they describe the quote-unquote film that they're watching in the bar was convoluted enough to not be convoluted, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved seeing the trial and error of Sarah trying to kill uh, Archduke Ferdinand. Uh, <laughs> Archduke, Archduke Ferdinand wins the prize for worst mustache on screen ever. <laughs> what? Todd. What, what was, was going on there? Like it was, it was literally a Halloween store mustache that was stepped on, and then they're like, "Ah, eh, close enough." I was wondering if because I didn't want to mention anything about uh, Ferdinand because I love them. I looked up a picture; it's like they captured his likeness, Joe. <laughs> oh, they captured it and put it down. Is what they did. But uh, so I want to I just want to throw these things out there when they grab the frame and they see that the the man in the top hat is like there for a second and then he's gone. Right. Mm -hmm. Because we're told initially that time itself is what's stopping everyone from murdering him. Mm -hmm. And then we learn that it's not time. It's a physical manifestation of time that's been sent there. And that's his job that he's tasked to do. Again, six of one, half a dozen the other. But when they show that he's kind of moving in between the seconds, I'm like, ooh, what if the person in the top hat was like a speedster, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I wrote down. And then it ends up being a speedster, but technically not a speedster because he doesn't have his powers anymore. Right. And this is just my theory, and I don't think it's like a crazy wild out there theory. Um, I think the bartender at the uh, fixed point bar is Dr. Gwen. Oh, that would be a good one. Yeah, I just call it a hunch. I don't know why there was like a little bit of dialogue that maybe tipped me off or maybe put the idea in my head. It could be completely outrageous and completely out there, but I think that's going to be our next episode reveal that that it's Dr. Gwen. I'd like to think cuz with your with your theory, which is great, is that Dr. Gwynn is running the bar and Ava ends up like he's been like they couldn't save Alan, but they take him right before they kill him. They're like, we have to, you know, you have to die. So we're going to pull you out of this situation before you die. And then you can go live with Gwynn in the fixed point bar. You know what I mean? Right. And, and live out your life until you pass away. And I'm like, that would be a great, uh, uh, uh Theory, like you said. Just a thought. Just a thought. Look at you. I listen. I, I'm figure. I'm trying to figure stuff out. You know. You're just asking questions. Uh. So, last but not least, uh, we have Peacemaker, an episode title we could say in the air in Monkey <laughs> Dory. Right. Um. The. Uh, everyone's kind of hungover from partying from their previous thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Mern gives the team their briefing uh, about what the butterflies are, how the butterflies get here, and how they've infiltrated things. Right. Um, and I think in Mern's PowerPoint presentation uh, that was put together by Economos, I think they show Chris Jericho as one of the people that are butterflies. It could be. Would explain a lot. It should explain quite a bit. A little bit of the butterfly. (laughs) Oh, jeez. 
So uh, then it comes up again that uh, John Cena, Peacemaker, is still upset that Economos uh, framed his father and his father ended up getting put in jail. Then there's a funny bit that gets extended at the end of the episode and on social media Mm -hmm. of of Peacemaker listing all of the people living dead and fictional that Economos could have put in this place of uh, John Cena's father, Augie Smith, uh, super racist, uh, white dragon. Right. So the rest of the crew are sent on the mission to whatever that bottling place is, where they think the nectar that the butterflies live off uh, is being manufactured. Mern is going to stay back and kind of figure out this white dragon Augie Smith situation because uh, in the previous episode when Vigilante kind of bumbled, bungled that part of him trying to get in there to kill him, um, Augie Smith is just like, well, listen, put my fingerprints up against the fingerprints that you found. You will see that they're not right. And then I will be free to go. Okay. Um, so they do that. The original detectives that were assigned to the case all the way back in episode one. But while that's going on, Mern meets up with somebody else on the inside who ends up replacing whoever the captain of that police station is and ends up getting Smith, Augie Smith, white dragon captain prison. Right. But the cops did something. They looked at the fingerprints on their own and they know that they're fake and they're right. covering it up. Yes. So they know there's something bigger going on here. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Vigilante wants to bring a chainsaw in with them, of course. Mm-hmm. But we have to kind of keep things low key as uh, Peacemaker and Adebayo go in the front door. And John Cena just starts shooting people up because he's got his x-ray specs on and he can see the butterflies in every single person's head. Right. The rest of the, while John Cena and Adebayo, who is just shooting people out. Getting cornered by all the workers there. They're all butterflied up and it's kind of like a zombie scene thing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, they end up getting trapped in a back room with a giant gorilla who also has a butterfly inside of its skull. To chainsaw a gorilla in half. And uh, that and Economos and Peacemaker's love for Hannah White Rocks uh, is what ends up helping starting to bond this group together. Even so much so that Harcourt adds them to a uh, group messaging thing called the 11th Street Kids. Right, the Lilith Street Kids. No, it says 11th. Come on. Right. Um, but, and then right. at the end of the episode, uh, Adebayo, of course, is kind of dealing with everything, her home life, her mother, um, uh, Amanda Waller pressuring her to put the diary in Peacemaker's home, which she does. But of course she can't sleep, so she goes back to their little office that they have set up in the old abandoned video store. She starts messing around with the Peacemaker X-ray helmet, and she sees something that she's not supposed to see, the butterfly inside Mern's head. Mern chases her out into the middle of the street, and we cut to black, so we don't know what happens. Right, very they live moment right there, as far oh, as yeah. I was concerned. Uh, but, uh, go ahead, but, I thought it was a great episode, but go ahead. Uh, a, a couple of things... That I thought one, um, uh, since we've had 
a butterfly in the gorilla, which they mentioned the gorilla was escaped last week. So we should have seen this coming. Um, but that it can, it can, it can affect animals. And they're all like, Oh, well, what in a chihuahua is like, would it fit in a chihuahua? And they're trying to figure out what could, it could, could be whatever. Eagly's getting possessed. Oh, don't say that. Because we've established that they can go in an animal and all he does is poke at that jar. It's only a matter of time before he breaks it. So I'm worried for Eagle's safe, Eagly safety. Um, second, this is my prediction, kind of like where you talked about uh, uh, Davies, Dr. Davies in, in Legends Tomorrow. Hardcore is going to end up with Vigilante as a couple. No. I'm calling it like, go back and watch. There's the scene. There's the scene where she picks him up in the, in the, in the jail and he gets in the car. And he looks at her and he's like, I think I've made things worse. And she's just kind of looking at him. And then later when they're rocking out to Hanoi rocks in the, in the, the van, the van, the electrical van going to the place, she, she looks at them all, but she gives vigilante like it's way too many beats. And she smiles. They are laying the groundwork because everybody thinks hardcore and, and, and peacemaker are going to hook up. No, no, no. Her whole thing is she's like in a bar saying like, all I want is a peace and quiet. And all I ever do is get hit on. And John Cena's like, it's because you're hot, blah, blah, blah. The only one who's like a male, like Mern doesn't count because he's their leader. He's doing stuff. Plus he's a butterfly. Vigilante never looks at her like that. And I think she likes it. And you're going to find out that she's, she's kind of sweet on him. And I think they're leading you down the road to peacemaker and hardcore. But it's going to, Vigilante and her are going to hook up before this is over. Whether it stays or whatever, that's my call. There's been too many longing looks to her towards Vigilante. Hmm. I think um, it might not be reciprocated. Um, I'll just say I think Vigilante, if anything, would probably uh, want Peacemaker to make those uh, uh, overtures to him. Fair enough, but I'm thinking either way, then maybe she likes him. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. They may, Okay, maybe they won't hook up. I'm seeing what you're saying about him, but I don't know. There's just something there. I don't think we're getting hardcore peacemakers is what I'm saying. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, I like the show. Uh, I don't know how many episodes we got left, but uh, it's not enough. I did look up Legends, and they only have 13 episodes this season. I believe the one we just watched was 10. Okay. So, Peacemaker, uh, I actually think I have right in front of me. on uh, peace, the most- Yeah, Peacemaker, we got three episodes left. Right, because that's 10 or 8 altogether. Yes. Yeah. And then we got to look to see what's uh, starting up, I guess, in March, right? Right. I don't know if there's – maybe there's something – with Boba Fett leaving that we might want to watch because they haven't announced it yet. You know what I mean? Like a Disney, a Disney, a Marvel show or something. Oh, uh, uh, Moon Knight. Moon Knight Moon starts Canadian. the end of March. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. So well, are we going to watch that or? I'm going to watch the first episode. I'm going to say if there's not something in that episode, I'm out. Oh, boy. Todd, come on now. If there's not an authentic origin in that in that show. <laughs> Well, they have to kind of, you know, they have to TVize it, you know, they really can't. You can't give that money away early. You got to let, you got to keep people around for it. Right, gotcha. right. 
All right, everyone, thank you very much uh, for hanging in there with us, bearing with us uh, for this episode 592 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.